thank you for listening to Psyche Design. My name is Megan Lavoda, and in this episode, I'm going to be sharing with you an interview that I did with a couple of typology experts, where we're talking about online type assessments and how they're doing some things to kind of tackle that problem, make it easier for people to find their best fit type. But as you'll hear from the conversation, there's so many different factors to consider uh, with this. But the reason why I wanted to do this um, episode and have this conversation is because I know that for people that are completely brand new to type and you want to know what the fuss is all about, you've heard about some of the benefits that people have um, had from learning about their best fit personality type, the first thing that most people want to do is go online and take a test. But what I want to remind you is that the test result is not the end-all be-all to who you are, and that these assessments are tools to help you discover your best fit type, but they're not the only way to discover that. You can discover that by learning more about the model, you can read type descriptions of all of the 16 types and uh, try some things on. You can talk to an expert or a practitioner to have them kind of guide you through some questions. Um, you could take the official MBTI, um, or there's a lot of other instruments that you could pay for as well. But if you're looking online, um, I just wanted to, I guess, let you know that some of the tests that you might come across might not actually be testing the 16 Jungian cognitive type patterns that you might be looking for. Some, uh, like the popular 16 personality types test, is actually testing, it's actually a trait-based model, and it is testing for um, the big five, which is slightly different. Uh, it's a slightly different model than uh, Carl Jung's uh, cognitive type patterns. And so that's something to be aware of is that if you are using 16 personalities, for example, um, the you might just wanna take that information with a grain of salt and recognize that that is a different theory than, uh, the, than uh, the popular 16 uh, type patterns um, model. And so take online tests with a grain of salt um, and I also, I, I link, I've linked below, um, the self-discovery tool that Sterling and Catherine, who I interview and a few others have been working on to try and make it easier for people to sort through the potential patterns online and for free. Um, and so you could take a look at that as well, uh, that is linked below and, um, because, really there's there's just a lot of challenges in disseminating um this information in an accessible way on online uh because a lot of the um better assessments you do have to pay for and a lot of the free assessments are just kind of random and a lot of the times the questions are not fully on point with what the theory is. And so it can get very confusing. So if you are new to type, do not let any of that discourage you. Um, I'm about to just uh, now attach together this conversation if you wanna uh, go deeper um, because there's so many different um, challenges and factors that um, these type practitioners are having to face in order to help people find their best fit type in an easier way. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And if you have any further questions on this topic, or if you're brand new and you're just feeling a little bit 
unsure of where to start, um, please, uh, you know, drop me a line. I, I want to make it easier for people to get started. I know that I have a tendency to kind of dive right into the juice of it, because for me, that is the most uh, beneficial aspect of type. Uh, and I want to help people get to the benefits of type sooner rather than later, but um, without being overwhelming. So um, enjoy the conversation and thank you for listening. Hello, thank you for listening to Psyche Design. My name is Megan Lavoda, and today I'm here with Sterling Bates and Catherine Hirsch, uh, two uh, typology um, practitioners and experts. And we're going to be discussing uh, some of the problems slash issues and just fun stuff regarding personality testing and online in general. So really the main uh, question in my mind that is, I guess, the catalyst for this conversation is that being online in the type community, I all I often have people ask me this question of, all right, so you're into that type stuff. So what test should I take? What can you send me? And I'm always stumped because the landscape of online testing could be a little bit confusing. There's some ethical considerations. There's some just conflicting information going on. And so there's a lot we can get into, but um, let's just um, start out by Sterling and Catherine, if you want to just introduce yourself uh, we can start with you, Sterling. Tell me a little bit about your background with type, what work you do, and also what about this conversation with the personality testing is interesting to you, I guess. Got it. Yeah, so my name is Sterling Bates, um, and my primary work with type is I run a research and development psychology software company called Step Research Corporation. So we make psychology software. Um, so we, a lot of our work is with type, although we also work with other psychological instruments and other psychological models. And so to just be completely transparent, um, we do make both for pay and uh, an online free assessment. So I have a lot of experience and practice on potentially what people are going through on the other side of what it takes to create and present an online free assessment. So I'm aware of a lot of those issues. Um, and we've done a lot of thinking on our end on what we can do to make sure we do that well. Um, and it's a, a never ending project. Um, something that uh, I really uh, love about type is actually how it improves individual personal relationships. That's actually got became my real catalyst. Uh, when I first got into type was I got really excited about how it could help like the direct dynamics with the personal relationships that really matter um, to you personally, which might surprise people to learn that the first several times I took an assessment for the Myers-Briggs type indicator. I came up ENTJ. Um, over time, I have since verified that uh, and done some work with really great experts who helped me come to the realization that, um, and my own self-realization that I have ENTP preferences. And uh, for those of you who have met, uh, uh, get to interact with you for a while, it will become fairly clear, oh, no, no, he's definitely <laughs> has ENTP preferences. But I did test originally ENTJ. Um, and uh, so that is... Um, a lot of what I'm excited to talk about mm -hmm. is all the work that we've done and the problems See, we've found so far. You know exactly how difficult it is to, I guess, solve the problem of making, I guess, you know, the right assessment, the right price, like helping people find their best fit. There's could be yep. a lot of factors to go into exactly. it. So, mm -hmm. all right, uh, Catherine. 
So I come to type in both a direct and a roundabout way. And when I was either 15 or 16, I'm not sure now, my mother actually introduced me to type. And so I took the Myers-Briggs at the kitchen table. And it was a really positive experience for me because at the time, the norm suggested that the modal type for women, that is the type that had the most number of people in it, was ESFJ. Mm. And my type code is the exact opposite of that, INTP. And so mm. things like gossip and mean girls and all that stuff were pretty mysterious to me as a teenager. And I definitely gravitated to more kind of intellectual interests in my conversations. I didn't have a lot of time for small talk. I was probably sort of an obnoxious pedant in a lot of ways about that. And most of my friends at school were boys or young men, I suppose, really, because there was this kind of NT or just T connection because the, the typical woman at that time or girl was very, very different to me. So it, it was kind of a sense of it's actually okay to be who I am, even if that was really different from what conventional high school model is. Mm -hmm. And went off to college, did a degree in cognitive science of which psychology was a piece. And one summer, during that time, I actually worked for the Myers-Briggs company at that time called Consulting Psychologist Press as an intern and did a project for them on how you could use your information about your Myers-Briggs code, mm -hmm. your four-letter type, to do informational interviewing. And this was a project for Hewlett-Packard because they wanted people to find a job within the company. They'd spent good money both recruiting and then training people. And if they were unhappy in their current job, rather than look outside of HP, they wanted people to look laterally or in a completely different division or area. And so I worked with a professor from San Jose State University and we created a short booklet. It's called mm. Know Yourself, No HP. And we classified some of the jobs in terms of the important aspects that might suit particular types, not that you couldn't do those jobs mm -hmm. if your preferences were different, but that it would feel a little bit more natural, a little less like hard work. And also things that you'd want to ask based on your typology in talking to people who are already working in that area to gather more information. And so I think that's then, an interesting dis, uh, difference of like happiness versus like actual ability. <laughs> like, like you're wanting to help people find something that's gonna make them happy. Yeah. Absolutely. Anyway. And yeah. I, I think that interested in type because I was, you know, if we're talking about 16, that was 40 years ago for me. Mm -hmm. And I still love this model and I find new things and new depth to it all the time. 
Um, I had mm -hmm. to go away and do something else though first. My preference is INTP, that maybe doesn't surprise you. So I got a PhD in experimental psychology and the work was on how we do what we're doing right now, that is produce speech in our native language and all the ways in, that, in which that can go wrong following a stroke or some other sort of brain injury. So mm. went away into the world of civil case studies, cognitive neuropsychology, was a university professor, and then did work in faculty development, training other people to be university professors. And then in 2003, <clears throat> my mother said, hey, yeah, I just, uh, it's I worth do. pointing out to those who are watching that um, Catherine is in Germany. Uh, well, both Megan and I are in the mm -hmm. United States, so that there is just a little bit of extra, <laughs> you know, distance, small. Yeah. Between us. Um, so, uh, yes, uh, Catherine, you had transitioned how you had got, you told us how you had gone into your professor and all that, all the cognitive psychology done, and then you started training other professors. And that's, it was just after that that we lost you. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'll just say, if you're watching the video version and anything is fuzzy, there is a podcast version available too, if that's distracting. So yeah. anyway, uh, go on. So in 2001, my mother was invited by consulting psychologist press, the Myers-Briggs company, to revise a book she had written on the Myers-Briggs type indicator and teams. Mm -hmm. And she was at a point in her career where she wanted collaborators. So my sister and I got involved and we helped her to revise what was called the booklet Introduction to Type and Teams. So that was 2001 to 2002. And it was published in 2003 and 2004. My sister and I both left our university jobs to start a consulting firm and mainly focused on using type to help people in personal and professional development. And the real goal, I would say, is to help people remember that the person across the room who drives you completely nuts, it's very unlikely that they're what one of our workshop participants called the 17th type, the J-E-R-K, much more <laughs> likely they just do things in their mm -hmm. own way that's different to your way. Mm -hmm. And if you can get people to that concept, to just stop and take a breath and in the ideas in the four agreements to try and make as few assumptions as possible and to not take personally other people's behavior, you're much more likely with that more open and generous stance to be able to leverage those differences instead of having them drive you completely nuts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that to me is the main benefit as well as being able to uh, not be so not make so many assumptions about other people that you're interacting with. Um, I know a lot of there's some criticisms of type where people are like, oh, you're just putting yourself in a box or like you're overly identifying with the set thing and. I feel like it is helpful to kind of get a sense of who you are, but the main thing is to, for me has been realizing like, 
the way I operate is not the default for everyone, you know, and being able to just have that sort of patience and understanding with whoever you're interacting with, which kind of brings me to the point of really how do people find their best fit? And especially if you are coming from someone who is online, maybe you don't uh, work at a, a corporation that is offering the MBTI uh, and you want to know, like, because it's been exploding online. There's more and more like YouTubers, people on like Twitter. There's a lot of Instagram accounts where people are making like um, humorous sort of jokes and memes about the different types. Some of them are really helpful. Some are really helping people understand relationship dynamics. There's some good stuff out there. There's some not so good uh, information. But the thing is, is that there's this interest here. But part of the barrier for the system is that in order to really, like, is in order to really understand a lot of the wisdom of it is you kind of have to know what your best type is first, you know, and that could be a barrier for people. And so they turn to online testing and I, I have some questions. We're, we're going to kind of open the floor to whatever you guys, uh, how you guys see this, um, this, I guess, issue or challenge. But I also just want to point out that I know some people listening to this might be completely new to type and you might be wondering why shouldn't I, I guess, just trust any uh, tests that I see online. But then there's also people that are watching that uh, have been watching me for a while that are very much aware of and annoyed by some of the online tests that either are not even based on uh, MBTI or uh, Carl Jung's cognitive type at all. They're actually big five in disguise. Um, and so anyway, um, I kind of just, before I ask more specific questions, kind of want to open the floor to both of you of like, what is, what first comes to mind when you think of this, I guess, challenge of people finding their best type? Or, yeah, which actually, before I even ask that, I'm realizing too that there's part of the shift too is that I think because the internet has become, you know, what it is in the past 10 to 20 years, more people are finding out about this not through their organization, you know? And so this information is being dispersed so everywhere. And it's, how, I guess, yeah, how, how do you see this challenge of people finding their best fit type in the 21st century. <laughs> um, Sterling, <laughs> sorry, that's like so many questions at once, but. <laughs> before I, before yeah. we answer that, I just yeah. wanted to jump in because yeah, yeah. Sterling and I actually first met online. Interesting. Because yeah. I was facilitating a workshop with my sister on using psychological type in relationships mm -hmm. and the subtitle was called conflict care and meaning mm -hmm. and one of the exercises was to go online and look at what your potential clients because most of the people in the workshop were using the typology yeah. professionally things they might be looking at and pick yeah. one thing you could recommend and one thing that you were very very anxious about someone else finding and getting their ideas about what psychological type Isabel Briggs Myers and Carl Jung's ideas were from that. And so that's actually how we got to know each other at first was 
by interacting online about type. And some of the things people discovered were wonderful, as you said, really, yeah. really deeply helpful. And some things were frighteningly bad. And yeah, there isn't really a good housekeeping seal of approval or consumer reports out there yeah. to help people navigate this space. And it's great that people like you, Megan, are trying to do some of that quality control because yeah. it has just exploded. And while that's great, it also means it's more of a challenge to sort the wheat from the chaff. Absolutely. It's been a challenge from my end as well. <laughs> what about you, Sterling? Well, so yeah, I think, I think that um, it's great to describe it as a love-hate relationship, right? I love the fact that the preponderance of these tools have made it way more accessible to so many people. There's a whole lot of people that have discovered type that might have never discovered type without the wonderful dissemination of information everywhere. People are talking about it and there's lots of free assessments. And so that's resulted in a lot of people discovering the power of type that might have never found it, right? Because their company didn't do it. So that part is wonderful. I love that. That's fantastic. The challenge is, is that there's a lot of, uh, um, uh, because it's becoming popular, there are mm -hmm. a lot of people who have different motives other than I care about how people see themselves <laughs> right? mm -hmm. in what they're doing when they go make these websites. Um, and sometimes it's, they're just misguided. And so they don't know enough about the science. And so they're talking about it wrongly and then they're mm -hmm. passing on wrong information. Or sometimes it's things like they actually have another motive which is they're taking, collecting user data. And so their motive isn't helping people understand themselves. Their motive is how do I collect marketing data? And so mm -hmm. there's different motives out there. And I think that's one of the challenges is that it's kind of hard to do, as Catherine was saying, it's a little hard to just track that yourself as you go through this process. Um, but so broadly, I have a love-hate relationship with the wonderful spread of mm -hmm. information on the internet. So broadly, I think it's been fantastic. It'd be just great if we could move to something that's a little bit more, you know, housekeeping seal of approval or a way to help people understand which what's the good stuff and what's the bad stuff. And yeah. also what's the point? Yeah. Well, what I think is interesting about that is that this is kind of a trend that so many industries have been dealing with, with just the rise of digital media, where it's almost like there's less gatekeeping or people might perceive some of the more, um, you know, expensive um, classes that you go to and certifications as kind of, kind of gatekeeping. But the thing is, is that it, the people that put those things together have a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, and they're telling you this information in a way that is very informed. But I think what's also been happening online is that people are really finding this information through a self-discovery or a self-growth lens and not necessarily through a psychologist lens or any other sort of, um, I don't know, any other lens you could look at it. So I think what's happening is that people are coming at it kind of from their ego of like validating, oh, this is me. And then they can kind of stop, they can kind of stop there where you don't really understand who the other person is. You're only like consuming the information about you. And then it leads to all of this, um, I guess, misinformation. But 
Um, so yeah, how would actually, yeah, go ahead that for just a moment, Megan, because mm-hmm. I think that's a really important point. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if we were to talk about um, Catherine and I were probably, you know, or, or us were to talk about some of the problems with online and free assessments, there's a number of ones we could list, but I think we've just highlighted one mm-hmm. that is the disadvantage is, is that if all it does is just get you to what box you go into mm-hmm. and it doesn't get to the benefits that Catherine was describing earlier, like how do how does that apply to your theory of mind of other people and how does that mm-hmm. apply to your relationships and is it benefiting your life and are you making better decisions and if it's not making an improvement in your life then it's kind of like then there was no point mm-hmm. um, I think of it trying to identify your type and then not do anything with it is a little bit like um, uh, uh, <clears throat> getting a, cla- a, a class on hardware tools where they describe and label a hammer, but they don't show you how to use it. And mm-hmm. they describe and label a screwdriver and then they don't show you how to use it. And so you've got this wonderful hardware class that labels everything, thank you very much. And this is a hammer and this is a pick hammer. And yeah, this is a thing that's kind of between a hammer and a pick and you know, you get kind of all these wonderful uh, uh, labels, but you know what box you fit into, but if you never get around to actually using it productively, you can't use the hammer well, you can't, you don't know when to use a screwdriver or when to use a hammer, then what was the point of the class, right? Kind of is, is the way I approach it. And I think, I think that's one of the potential disadvantages of some of the online free tools is that they're designed to label, get the label, but then they don't do any work to help somebody once they've got their label to figure out what to go do with that. Awesome. I'm a hammer. Excellent. <laughs> right. What do I do with that now? Right. What does that mean? How does that improve my life? And I think that that is potentially one of the disadvantages. Now, if if somebody knows that going in, mm-hmm. that the point of this is just to get the label and they need to go get that other how to go use it later someplace else, then that's probably fine. For example, there's lots of wonderful books on type that you can go mm-hmm. order from Amazon or go to the local bookstore and get. And so if, if you're just using it as a device to get started, then I think that use of a lot of the online free assessments is probably much better than how some people use it, which is great. I've got my label and then I'm done. So I just, mm-hmm. I thought that was such an important point you raised, Megan. I just didn't want to leave that. Um, I wanted to really reinforce that. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm also thinking about how part of the problem that can't come with type is when people are just using it as a way of categorizing. But I think that a lot of the way that some of the online tests are, it really lends to categorizing and it leads people in that direction. So I'm curious from both of your perspectives, how would you answer the question or what's your take on the best way to find your best fit type? That the million dollar question. Great. Let's just go right for the hardest question. And pretend Uh, you're talking to someone who literally is like, all right, this stuff sounds interesting guys. But how do I know? <laughs> Got it. Uh, should I pass that to you, Catherine, yeah. to maybe talk about the, you know, the the ideal methodology, and and then we talk about pragmatic reality back down to pragmatic yeah. realities. Is that the best way to do that, Catherine? I I certainly can do that. It wasn't what I had in mind, but I'll roll with it. Well, I, I, I didn't so, know like how. So how would you? How, yeah. Uh, you know, you've been doing this way longer than I have. So therefore I'm like, I feel like that's, I, I feel like I want to defer to, mm-hmm. to your answer here on, on this particular. And question. I'll just say that for me, every single time that I talk to someone new or they see what I'm doing online and they are interested and they do see the benefit, 
I sometimes will sort of tell them like, oh, you might like, if they want another type and they're like a friend of mine, I'll be like, oh, you know, I think you might be this type. You might look at a couple of these and they'll sort of be like, no, I'll just take the test. And they, and I don't know how, I guess like people are like, oh, I'm interested in this, but then now how do I, how do I know what my type is, I guess, <laughs> but yeah. So I think what I would say is that it's a process or a journey and it's easy to get caught up in the thought as Sterling was saying of having a label. Mm -hmm. So being worried about the destination or the final outcome. And I think that's just a very human thing to want to feel like you're, you're getting somewhere and you know mm -hmm. what box to put yourself in or other people. Mm -hmm. You know, there's uh, a lot of evidence that says you don't need much in the way of labeling to see yourself as different. There's the really famous blue eyes, brown eyes experiment where mm. children were told, okay, the blue eyed children are good and the brown eyed children are bad. And with just that minimal amount of information, they started to think better of their group, the in-group, and think worse of the other group, the out-group. Wow. And so that was an early study. And if you look up blue eyes, brown eyes, you can find some videos on YouTube that have some quotes from that and gives you that story in I just more have depth. To say really quick, that's fascinating. I, I have heard of that before, but now I'm just realizing how much, so much of the online community, the way that people talk about other types very much fits with that exper that experiment, because I don't think that a lot of people, they haven't gotten to the information of every type is uh, equally valuable. They haven't gotten to the point where they're able to see the value in the other types. And it just turns into especially if someone like literally is not trying to be a type practitioner, they're just on there for fun. They're just sharing memes. It turns into like, I'm going to like make up things about my ex-boyfriend or girlfriend who was a different type than me and talk about how they're all terrible. And anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, that experiment is very relevant. But. So I, I think a lot of it comes down to what your goals are and you mentioned earlier things that might be covertly the big five which is yeah a very different model of personality and i think the most important difference there is that there is a good and a less good way to be so mm -hmm. they have a, a scale in which there's an order so there is a positive way and a less positive way. So in Myers-Briggs Jungian terms, the type that you should be, that's the pro-social type would be extroverted, intuitive, which is called openness to experience, feeling, which is called agreeableness, and judging, which is called conscientiousness. So. Well, I guess I'm good. No, I'm just kidding. Megan. <laughs> and I, I mean, I think most, if I just, I, I just want to, to, to reframe that, just re reiterate that is that, uh, you know, the big five psychological model says that introversion is bad. Just, you know, broadly, if I'm just going to, 
reframe that just a little bit. And, and I think there's a lot of people that then don't experience introversion as being bad. And certainly that would not be the Myers and Briggs model. They, they don't think that my introversion is good, bad. Or mm -hmm. Jung's model, or actually even Hans Eisenk's development of the introversion or extroversion concept in the UK. That's right. Mm -hmm. And to show how far this went, in 2010, I was part of a team that was responding to the suggested revision of personality disorders on the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. So for the DSM, which people may have heard of, which is what the American Psychiatric Association uses to categorize people by a particular psychiatric designation, they were talking about using the big five as a way to designate things like borderline personality, narcissistic personality disorder. And I was part of a group of people that included <clears throat> psychologists and psychiatrists who were objecting to the use of this model in this way, in that there was already a large body of work suggesting that there were equally valid ways and introversion and extroversion was the main talking point here. Hmm. <clears throat> you cut out for a second. Yep. We're successful in getting them to remove that language from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual Revision. So instead of going down the path of using the big five to characterize personality disorders, it has remained that they're using other criteria to get to those diagnoses. And they mm -hmm. left things like personality type and the big five model as measures of normal behavior. Mm. I just want to point out too, and then you guys feel free to add any if you have more context, but the big five is also a trait-based model and not a type model. And so I think there has been studies linking the extroversion and things like that to type, but they're not the same thing, right? I'm not sure how much you guys know about the correlations. So a, a fair amount, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've done a fair amount of research into this. Uh, so I think this is an important point to bring up the difference between an assessment and the model. Okay, yeah. All right. So mm -hmm. um, the original creators of the big five uh, uh, originally were actually uh, uh, one of the, some of the stuff that they did, they actually, their, all their original research shows incredibly high correlations between their scales and the Myers and Briggs preference scale mm -hmm. uh, uh, um, preferences. So there's actually like 0.7, in some cases 0.8 correlation, which is the same if you want to think equivalent would be like height and weight. The taller you are, the more likely you are to weigh more. Mm, yeah. so it's, you know, a fairly high correlation. And that's true across uh, the, the scales. So depending upon who you are, I know a number of somewhat impartial um, statisticians, psychological statisticians, mm -hmm. who think that the assessments, note the word here carefully, the assessments are actually measuring the same underlying stuff, right? They're just using kind of different approaches to go measure the same underlying stuff. Now, the models are how we talk about those underlying stuff. Mm -hmm. The assessments are, might be how we measure that. And so 
um, there's some pretty um, compelling evidence that they might actually just be measuring the same stuff, but how people who work with the big five describe it and how people with the Myers-Briggs type indicators describe those underlying stuff then and how they think about how you might use it is radically different. Mm -hmm. But the assessments themselves are not <clears throat> actually that different, really, in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. They're actually much more closer than people realize. Um, Interesting. Would, uh, uh, I mean, they use different slightly, they use slightly different methodologies, but um, I, I think it's... The idea of a trait isn't a little bit more movable, but then technically the actual assessment of the MBTI might be also movable. Well, yeah. So if you, right? I mean, yeah. the reality is, is that no assessment is 100% accurate, right? That, that doesn't actually exist anywhere in the world of psychology. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's not a thing we have. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and so therefore it's more a question of, at least from my perspective and my, in my research, that um, uh, the, 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 the assessments getting mad at, mad at each other is kind of silly because they're statistically mm. not that far apart. Um, the models, I think, have very different perspectives on how mm -hmm. they think about it and talk about it. But if you're talking about the assessment versus the model, those are kind of almost like different questions. And I think that's something that gets very confused all the time on the internet. So mm -hmm. please note that this is a, yeah. that, that, that people will often refer to big five, the assessments, potentially, which is there's actually a variety of big five assessments, or they yeah. might refer to big five, the model, um, and they refer to MBTI, and they might be referring to the MBTI assessment, which is the Myers-Briggs type indicator. It is an assessment, or they might be using to the model, which is, by the way, technically the MBTI isn't the model. The MBTI yeah. is the assessment, but most people will casual language We'll just refer to MBTI referring to the 16 types model and more like Jungian psychology. So there's a lot of fuzziness. So you would be, it's okay to go, wait a second. Over here, they were referring to it one way and over here another way. If So if you're finding that there's a lot of fuzziness mm -hmm. around the language, it's not your imagination. People are very unclear about which one they're referring to. What's interesting, just from my perspective, thinking of trait versus type is that I'm kind of more in the middle of conscientiousness, but when it comes to type, I do test more J and I relate to like the interaction style, all, all the stuff for ENFJ is my best fit type. But when it comes to like literal traits, those are not always the so same. Megan, you don't want to shy away you know? from any of the rough topics. You just want to jump right into the trait <laughs> discussion now too. Okay. Which that honestly could be a whole other topic. So we can oh, kind of get back on track. If I can interrupt the two. Oh, yeah, go ahead. For a yes, please do. <laughs> One of the key differences between a type model and a trait model is a type model is designed to sort in thinking about the difference between type and trait, a type model is a little bit like pregnancy. You take a pregnancy test and you find out either you are or you aren't pregnant. There's not a little pregnant or a lot pregnant. It's just yes or no, it's a sorting. Whereas a trait model like the big five is looking at how much of a particular trait you happen to have. So it is a scale and more is in most cases on four of the five big five scales better 
and in this case of neuroticism, which isn't captured by the Myers-Briggs, but is captured by a couple other type indicators, including the golden personality profiler, which has a tense, calm dimension. And in that case, more is considered to be problematic. You'd prefer not to be more neurotic. You'd prefer to be less neurotic. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think so appealing about that is it's really easy for people to understand something where we're talking about, well, more is good. So I'm a strong extrovert mm -hmm. or I'm a strong J type. And that language makes sense if you're talking about traits, but it yeah. doesn't really make sense if you're talking about types because it's merely yeah. a sorting. You have a tendency to be one way and you do that perhaps a lot more often, but some cases, and Megan, you were saying perhaps on the judging perceiving scale, just a little bit more often, you come down on the side of preferring the structure, the plan your work and work your plan side of things. Mm -hmm. But the type model assumes that there's a place that we go that feels most comfortable, but we can and must actually do both in order to function in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can't say I'm never going to extrovert mm -hmm. or I'm never going to look inside. And likewise for the other three dimensions. Yep. So mm -hmm. if what you're interested in is doing personal development work, finding out about yourself and how you differ from other people, a type model may be just what you're looking for. If on the other hand, you're trying to do recruitment and you want to know because you've got some correlations between a particular job and one of these factors on the big five, you want to know how much someone has of that trait that you've identified as being very important for this work. The Myers-Briggs type indicator, any type indicator is very unlikely to be useful in that kind of context where you're sorting people along a dimension as opposed mm -hmm. to just yes. Or no. Would you guys agree that the nature of the sorting is kind of what leads to the challenge of the online assessments? Well, if I want to just clarify maybe an mm -hmm. analogy, I think that maybe <clears throat> can also help be useful in this context. Mm -hmm. um, a common analogy is left <clears throat> and right-handed. Mm -hmm. And you could measure I am on a scale of one to 100, I'm a right, I have a right uh, a manual dexterity of 86 and on my left, I'm about a 73 or, or the reverse. But what most of the time you need to know is I'm left-handed, could you please give me a left-handed scissors? Or yeah. I'm left-handed, could you please give me a left-handed mouse? And so mm -hmm. I think there's a usage and there might be a job where you have people doing particular things with a machine and you need to know that both hands are higher than a 60 or whatever, right? And so you might need a trait measurement system in that case, but for most of the time, in most cases, you need a typing system. Oh, what kind of mouse do you need? Oh, what kind of scissors mm -hmm. do you need? Oh, you want left-handed. So then therefore, how much you are of one or the other is actually an irrelevant discussion. What's most important is whether you do that. Um, and so, mm. and certainly just like anything else in the real world, you do use both hands all the time mm -hmm. on any important task. Um, so 
Um, Catherine's dropped off, but I want to ask you a question that maybe you could talk about this while she gets back is sure. with your, with your experience in working on assessments, both online yeah. and also offline, correct? Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, can you just sort of touch on some of the challenges that you've faced in, I guess, trying to create them or what are the main challenges you face? Yep. So it's worth pointing out, um, that, uh, we use our company supports both type and trait assessments. Mm -hmm. so, so I have a lot of experience with both sides of assessment methodology. Mm -hmm. um, and again, it's, it's back to what are you using it for? And mm -hmm. what are you trying to go do? And I think that's one of the big challenges is when trying to go do this and communicate that is that people will often, you're talking to a company and they're like, sweet, uh, awesome. I want to use, you have this assessment. Great. We're going to go do this other thing with it. And you're like, wait, mm -hmm. no, no, stop. That assessment isn't designed to do that thing you're trying to go do. And so I think that's actually one of the biggest challenges to some as a company that makes or works on these mm -hmm. is that people will often try to conflate an assessment mm -hmm. and try to go use it in spaces it's not supposed to be used. Because when you create an, any kind of assessment, you actually have to be thinking those kinds of questions. How is this going to be used? What's it going to be used for? What are we measuring? How are we trying to measure it? And there's a ton of questions that go into that that are really complicated. And so all of that contextual, those contextual questions matter to whether an assessment is good for something or not. Um, and so that's mm -hmm. probably the most classic problem we see in the type world is that the typing systems assessments were generally speaking not designed for recruitment purposes, right? Mm -hmm. uh, however, uh, which means there's a lot of hurdles, psychological, ethical, scientific, they didn't cross because those weren't contextual things that they needed to go do. And so companies then come along and say, great, we want to use the, you know, the Myers-Briggs type indicator or a typing assessment for hiring. And that's a terrible idea because the assessments aren't designed to handle and support that kind of environmental and that kind of context. Um, so, uh, mm -hmm. so that's like, that's a good example of the kind of challenges. Um, I mean, there's, yeah. I, I could go on and on about all of the fun challenges it takes to make a good assessment. And yeah. the answer is that it's so much work that most people don't do it is really what it comes down to, yeah. unfortunately. So most, unfortunately, most online, and it's expensive to go do all that work from a company standpoint. So most online free assessments have not gone through a whole lot of that extra work to make sure that what they're doing is actually valid, uh, a valid instrument that mm -hmm. is actually measuring what they say it measures. So that's probably yeah. one of the biggest challenges is if the any online instrument isn't talking about who designed it or the process they went through, it doesn't have to be public knowledge, but if they won't tell you who, for example, worked on the assessment, mm -hmm. that's normally a red flag that perhaps there's some real concerns you should be wary of in, in that process. Yeah. So Catherine, I was just kind of asking him some of the main challenges he's seen uh, with uh, those assessments. And do you have anything you'd like to add as far as the challenges, um, I guess, either in, cre uh, in creating an online assessment or in, yeah. Is there, is there anything you have to add on that? Or I think for me, the exciting thing about creating something online is 
the possibility to lead people through a much more complete process. So instead of, as unfortunately often happens, you either hand someone a pencil and paper assessment, or you send them a code and they go online, and then pretty much they get results back. Mm -hmm. And as Sterling was saying earlier, oftentimes they're not told anything more than that label. They don't get a sense of you know, where the rubber meets the road and how to apply the information. And in an online environment, you can build in a lot of extra information. So there's incidental learning that's going on about how these systems work as part of assessing where people fit in the mm -hmm. typology. Mm -hmm. And you can create an environment where they're interested in exploring in a way that in traditional assessment or on paper, maybe kind of table away from that. So I think it's easier in the online environment to get people out of their idea that it's a test that has a right and a wrong answer. Because no matter whether it's the big five or any other personality assessment, typically, if it's one looking at normal behavior, there's no right answer except the answer that's right for you. Mm -hmm. And the way that goes wrong is if you're fooling yourself or you're not conscious of who you really are, that's going to be the wrong answer. Not that there's something outside of you, external to you that says, okay, this is how you should answer. And this mm -hmm. is what would be right. So how would you guys suggest- so I think you just have a lot of opportunity to help people explore. Mm -hmm. How would you guys suggest someone that is brand new to type, I guess, navigate the process then of finding their best fit, despite all of the either different tests out there that might have conflicting information or uh, might not be fully accurate. What could they do? Uh, uh, so I'm gonna I, I have I'm gonna give you now my biased answer. So let everyone, so everyone who's watching this video, please note my answer here is completely biased. <laughs> so, uh, that's one of the reasons why my company decided to go publish an online instrument. We previously not done that for a long time, and we decided that was that was useful to go do because we were not happy with most of the online options. And so that's something that, that we're working on because we don't think there's a lot of, there hasn't been a lot of great options. There's a, there's a lot of options that will get you to a label real quickly, but I wasn't sure, we weren't very happy with how many options there were that really try to help walk you through a larger process. So we've been trying to work through what might that experience look like online. So we do have a product where we're, people it's available for free online now for people can go try it out. Um, and uh, and we're, we're happy for feedback. Um, it's at personalitywizard.com, but it, it's our attempt to start to go develop that. And I think the answer is we're not de done developing that. It's a work in progress. So it's a very and, difficult problem yes. to solve as you, as you guys have probably seen, by the way, that we all have so much to say at like these like broad questions. Like there's so many uh, nooks and crannies that we can dive into. Uh, right. You know, it's a, it's a complicated, sophisticated topic, which is, I mean, it's yeah. I mean, and really it's about humans, right? At yeah. the end of the day, it's about humans and our behaviors and our patterns. And that's a very complicated topic. And so, uh, um, but it's fun and interesting. So, you know, the good news, 
So I'm thrilled to try to go participate in that space. Um, mm -hmm. There are, um, there's some other companies that, so the things I would say is like, look for a company where they talk about their process, where they're transparent about who they are. Mm -hmm. So like if they're saying, oh yes, here are the psychologists that are part of our company that work on this assessment that make it, then that's, then that's a very good sign, right? You're at least able to validate that they're being transparent about who they are and who they're responsible to and maybe who owns the company and some of those other factors. If you can't find any information like who are the psychologists that designed it or who's behind it or who's the company and who who's doing things, if you can't find any of that information, then that's probably a really bad sign. Mm -hmm. So that would be kind of one of the easy criteria I would use is try to make sure that the whoever it is actually has some credible experts backing their process who mm -hmm. could understand the complexity um, and have the ability to inform whatever they were making so that we know you know it's at least more likely to have higher quality. Do you, do you so, think is that the kind of yeah. you're looking for? Yeah, and I just want to say two things and then uh, what you'd have to say too, Catherine, but one is that what I do like about Personality Wizard, what you guys are working on, even if it is a work in progress and is um, a difficult thing to develop is that because it's more about ranking the patterns then I think that it can help people see what that you are trying to find a best fit type rather than um being like am I this or that which is kind of what we're doing but like you're it, it helps you look at it a little bit more holistically um of like which of these patterns fits me but then I also want to point out too that it's important to remember that with with this uh, personality type system, like the, the assessment's only going to be as good as how much you know yourself and how honest you are with it. And so it's a process. And yep. so some people don't even use assessments to find their best fit. Right. And so you don't necessarily need one. It can help to have one. You also can just read a bunch of, uh, you could read a bunch of books about it yep. if you'd like. At the end of the day, what we're trying to get to is what's useful in helping you understand yourself and interact with others better. So for example, if you're reading a book and you find there's one particular type that those suggestions on how you would like to be treated, really like, yes, this is me. This is how I want to be treated. And it doesn't happen to be the type that your test came back. Well, then the type that's the better fit is the one that where the yeah. suggestions are correct, right? Where the behavior that makes sense to you Yes, this is this is what works for me. I mean, that's part of the reason why, even though I tested on the official tests, ENTJ, ENTP was a better fit because that was much more descriptive, better descriptive of how I interacted with other people. Like they saw me acting more like an ENTP. And on top of that, when I looked at what things ENTPs needed to work on to develop to make themselves better, that was a better description of what I needed to work on to make mm -hmm. myself a better person. So therefore, by, by definition, that makes then ENTP a better fit mm -hmm. than ENTJ. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that's yeah. a great example of what we're talking about here is it's, it's, you know, if at some point the rubber has to meet the road is the phrase, but it's the, you know, it has to become, I think has to lead to something pragmatically beneficial in the real world. Mm -hmm. I want to see real results. And that's where best fit and verifying your type becomes really powerful. That's its point is to help you get to what matters. Mm -hmm. And what would you have to say, Catherine? <laughs> well, 
ideally we'd all get to sit down and talk first to someone who really knows the model, knows something perhaps about Carl Jung, Isabel Myers. And secondly, I think it'd be great if everyone could have an opportunity once they landed on a type that feels a pretty good fit, have a chance to talk first to people who share the belief that that's a good fit for them. Mm-hmm. And then to have a second set of <clears throat> conversations with the people who are either in a closely related or perhaps even what in four letter type terms would be their opposite. Mm-hmm. Because at least one mm-hmm. of the Jungian theorists, a woman named Marie Louise von Franz, mm-hmm. she talked about getting to type through looking at the not me aspects. Mm-hmm. The part yeah. of you where you you don't feel super comfortable, the part that you're not always willing to acknowledge is you. It's like, okay, I was beside myself. That was a sort of out of body, out of heart, out of mind experience. Mm-hmm. And she talked about how the one that really kind of makes you go, yeah, might be a good clue to mm-hmm. its opposite being the one that feels like the sort of autofocus camera, the place that you can't help but go. And maybe sometimes you'd be better off if you could turn that off mm-hmm. and not overuse it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll just say, I know a lot of people in the type community might think that it's too difficult to go to cognitive functions to help you find your type because it is a deeper sort of theory. But for whatever reason, for me, that was a lot more clarifying to like understand, all right, this is the way that each of these types process underneath and like really resonating like, yeah, that is how I process. And this process doesn't really make sense to me, but, um, and so, yeah. Um, so I just want to say, yeah. can I answer that question? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So the brief answer is <clears throat> yes. That's how I confirmed ENTP instead of ENTJ was the dominant function. When I looked at the two dominant functions, it was very clear that yeah. extroverted intuition <clears throat> was my dominant function, not extroverted thinking. Right. And then mm-hmm. my auxiliary was introverted thinking. Right. That, that sent the, that was what was my judging function, not extroverted thinking. Um, so therefore that like, absolutely. I, I, I'm, I fully believe that looking at the functions can be a very powerful way, an additional way to help you sort that. Um, and just Catherine's point, looking at your worst function or yeah. your inferior function is a great way to see what's alien, right. To go, Oh, you know, Oh, you know, introverted sensing feels way more alien to me than introverted feeling, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, as an example of wait, which am I ENTP or ENTJ? And so, no, I think that's a, that is a fantastic point. And it's w- one of the reasons why it's valuable to have an expert help mm-hmm. you in that verification process is because they will, a good expert will be familiar with the different ways of looking at type a different, some of those different psychological models that are all adjacent and, and use that to be able to go help you. And that's personally why I always feel so tempted to want to launch into all the theory whenever someone wants to know what their type is. But I also know that that could be a lot at once. And Uh so I guess um, we only have a a few minutes here left. So as far as like the online assessments, hopefully you've understood from this 
talk that it's really not a black and white thing. Um, is there any, I guess, um, I guess closing thoughts on this whole problem or anything that you didn't get have time to mention that you wanted to? Catherine? Well, I would say that the main thing is does reading the information make you feel more at home, more comfortable, and more settled in yourself? And if you're reading things and you feel criticized or harmed or uncomfortable, that's probably a sign that it's not doing a great job, either in the questions that it's asking or in the way the types are being described. And mm -hmm. for me, when I first took the Myers-Briggs, but I think it's true with any assessment or process, I had the sense of like, <sighs> I can relax, it's okay. Mm -hmm. In the words of that book title, you know, I'm okay, you're okay. Yeah. And yeah. so once I feel comfortable with who I am, I can make a lot more space and be a lot more welcoming of people who aren't like me because I'd like to help them go through a similar process, again, with an assessment or not, to come to the same realization of like, hey, the way I am is uniquely me and there's some patterns that can help me direct my growth and development. So I'm not just stuck in a stereotyped or caricatured version of myself. I really see room to grow and blossom. Mm -hmm. I would honestly recommend anyone that is new to not just focus on finding their type, but if you can understand the whole system and if you can get curious about all the types, then I think that that also can really help you um, in learning about how all of the types are. Because I think that if you're just looking at one type description, it's easy to see the things that are not like you or whatever. You might wonder like, if this is like the Barnum effect or like, I don't know, like, isn't this everyone? But if you look at all of the types and you look kind of zoom out a bit, it could be easier. And that's one thing I like about Personality Wizard, what you guys are doing is that it allows you to look at the different types. And so, and so you can kind of compare a little bit, but. If, um, something I would recommend mm -hmm. is that, um, you know, if you're going to start your journey and you're going to be involved in this, uh, or look, be, you know, you want to do type stuff. I think the, one of the things I would highly recommend is that you're finding some, an activity, a behavior mm -hmm. that comes from the type that, that would be useful in what you go do. So grab something small to get started. So mm -hmm. perhaps if you have extroversion preferences, it might be a good idea to take, there's a lot of great advice about how you can pause and give the other person time to respond. And so great, just work on that one behavior, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the most important thing is, you know, you, you great, you've got a label, you've got a sorting, you're gonna try it on. So try one of the recommended behaviors to help be more successful as that type. Like that's where we start to make the world a better place is and you start to have more success with type is when you actually do something with it. Mm -hmm. So I would take always <clears throat> recommend somebody take something really small and try it on, um, which is also a great way to verify whether that's a good fit for your type or not. <laughs> mm -hmm.
is if you go through that process and you're finding out that these aren't really working for you, then maybe that that's a sign that that's not a great fit. Mm -hmm. um, so if whatever uh, uh, tool you're using isn't giving you any help on what to go do with your type, then I would also recommend it's time to go maybe find another uh, process or another online mm -hmm. uh, resource that will give you ad some advice on what to go do with it. Because mm -hmm. um, so that, that's where, um, you know, I'm very hopeful that people will get super excited and want to learn all about the model. But I'm, yeah. I'm realistic enough to acknowledge that what, we, what most people might need early on mm -hmm. is some successful wins with, oh, I learned a little bit about type and I don't know everything yet, but I learned this one tip and man, it made my relationship with my father way better, right? Or yeah. wow, it, you know, oh, it, it boy, it, this, this one thing I learned pretty much fixed my problems with my coworker. And now I'm like, now that it's done something good for me in my life, now yeah. I have a little more, now wait, 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 tell me more about this model thing, yeah. right? And, and so I have a kind of a pragmatic, realistic approach that I, I'm, I'm hoping that I can get some people into some early wins in their life yeah. where their life is better. And then after that, then, then they can become excited about pursuing all the wonderful model stuff. And a lot of times that is what assessments online do is they get people interested. They share with their friends and they're like, wait, what am I? But a lot of the tests online, they don't really give people either a launching off pad of, okay, what do I do with this? Or maybe there aren't even the right type. So yeah, um, I really appreciate the work that both of you guys are doing. And I just want to acknowledge that it is not easy to I guess, figure out a way to disseminate a lot of really complex information like online, make it accessible, but also respect like the work that people have put in to even coming to these conclusions. I think it's really, really difficult and it's a hard, it's like you're walking a fine line, you know, because a lot of the information that you're trying to disseminate and we're, we're wanting obviously um, to share the love of type with the world, but a lot of the thinking that people have had to do to like really have those good descriptions uh, takes a lot, a lot of time and deserve to be compensated for that. So like, and as a former journalist, I know that people want information for free. Uh, people expect it for free online and we're competing when you, when you have good information, it takes a lot of time and money to, to, to do. And you're competing with bad information that takes no money to come up with it's, it's difficult. So there's not an easy answer. And, um, I really appreciate having you guys both on to talk about kind of like your expertise, some problems that you face, and also some of, um, what you are trying to do to make this a little bit easier. So thank you. All right. Any, anything else or we good? <laughs> thank you for the opportunity, Megan. It's been really lovely conversation and yeah. I look forward to talking more in the future I think yeah thank you guys so much and I do have their uh tool linked below if you'd like to check it out um they're still it's still in progress um but so if you have any um feedback of what the experience was like for you feel free to comment that below and uh yeah and if uh, anything else, any other um, problems that anyone has with personality types or experiences that they have had, like with online tests, I would love to see those in the comments as well. 
Uh, thank you guys again, both so much for your time. Thank you.